Welcome back to the Wizards of Ecom podcast. My name is Carlos Alvarez, and I'll be your host for the show. This is episode number 218, and I am excited to have Dr. Angelos Casares and Piero Pereira from Avast Group on the show. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Carlos. Great to be here. I love it. It's rare that we get on a show, and I have to spend some time like researching because I really like getting people's name right. I hope I pronounced everybody's name right in that introduction. Perfectly. Absolutely perfectly. Okay, at, so, so, at least mine is not a, a long one like a Papadopoulos or something like that. <laughs> it could have goodness. been worse. <laughs> it could have been much worse. Absolutely. Actually, your guys' names are pronounced exactly like they, they seem. So no no tricks there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, I, I have the, the, uh, the advantage here in knowing that you're both experts in a lot of different areas. Um, today, we're going to focus on what, what I know to be specializations um, of, of yours. And, and, and that's going to be unpacking really the, the who, what, where, when, why uh, of some, what, what I'm beginning to call some intimidating acronyms that are necessary to, to understand, uh, to successfully sell in the EU, which is going to be VAT, OSS, and IOSS. Before we do that, I would love the listeners of this show to know a little bit about um, each of you. So I don't know who wants to go first. Do we do the doctor first? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so it's this. It's Angelos here. Uh, I'm uh, the professional service director for Avask, uh, and uh, my interest is to make sure that sellers who want to expand overseas uh, are having a seamless process. And uh, my focus is to make sure we build a, a strategy whereby we understand our cost analysis and. We make sure that you know we we uh, every expansion is a success, and um, a lot of it requires admin. So we ensure that we try to mitigate and uh, remove that burden as much as possible. Thank you for sharing that. What, what would you say is the the most rewarding part of what you do? I would say it's um, for for every entrepreneur. Uh, when expanding internationally, it's something that um, it, it's already a hassle and a challenge. So for me, every time there is uh, this element of actually removing that admin burden and ensuring that somebody is ready to focus in a different continent without having to worry about all this uh, unnecessary hurdles that are so much necessary to understand, though. Uh, I think it's really important and very much rewarding knowing that uh, I have assisted somebody to further their, their and expand their and advance their, their dream you know, internationally. And it could be like as, a, as an exit plan as well, because the fact that you're moving on another continent, it's like your secret stash that is sitting somewhere else for a rainy day. <laughs> Absolutely. I can tell you from the seller side of things that um, that what you just described, that help right there is the best help that you're looking for when you are thinking of expanding. So I, I totally get where you're coming from. Uh, I, I meant to ask this in the beginning because I, I don't know the answer to this, but have either one of you, either one of you been sellers before on the Amazon platform or current sellers? No, no not currently, but actually, you know, by understanding 
Well, yeah, definitely, because, you know, we, we see such opportunity. I'm, I'm Pierre, obviously, I'm in the business development team here at Avask, and I have the direct contact with sellers uh, on Amazon. And I see so much opportunity, and I see what sellers go through. They come to us a little bit scared, obviously, to start with, because of the acronyms that you're talking about, Carlos. But, um, you know, we do see quite a lot of opportunity. And, yeah, I, I've definitely thought about it. It's obviously finding sourcing and understanding what sort of product that you want to, you know, you want to develop. If there's any branding that you want to develop, you know, there's, it's not a straight answer to what we do and what it takes for success in e-commerce anyway. So um, yeah, yeah, I've definitely thought about it and probably eventually we'll, we'll start seeing a couple of things, but definitely knowing this part is a huge help. That sounds great. Absolutely. For, for me, I must say, I, I was, uh, uh, in the past, we made some uh, uh, attempts, but I would say uh, it's it's something that, uh, for my side, would be more rewarding and exciting to be able to be part of the journey. I don't, I'm, I don't think I'm that brave to be like, a, 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 you know, a, a full-on e-commerce seller, as uh, it needs a lot of uh, aspects. But uh, it's it's really very, we're very much immersed, you know, on the day to day, uh, you know, uh, ups and downs and queries, etc. For e-commerce, so it feels like you know we're part of of the of the day to day process. I must say. Thank you for sharing them. The let's. I, I want to gradually start getting towards these acronyms. But I also want to touch a little bit, and, and obviously we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to this at the end. Uh, I know you're here to you know, give value first. And a vast group, um, d- describe a vast group for somebody that's been living under a rock in, in the e-com space and does not know what it is. Sure. Um, I, I'll take this one. Uh, so a VASC has been... Uh, it is is an uh, international firm of uh, accountants uh, and uh, uh, a company that is its main strategy and and, and uh, aim is to assist as many e-commerce sellers as possible and e-commerce entrepreneurs to be able to build uh, their um, their business overseas and assist along this process. Uh, of course, it's. It's uh, Europe, uh, as we are currently based at, it's, uh, it's a continent whereby in the UK, uh, uh, it, there's a lot of red tape in certain aspects. So our main focus is to understand where there is uh, a need to remove compliance, uh, the compliance burden and assist so that there's this opportunity to, to proceed with uh, the the main focus, which is to be to be selling, um, we have we're a team of uh, specialists on on cross border uh, compliance in terms of like VAT, one stop shop. Uh, the re- the most recent as well the eco compliance, which is the extended producer responsibility. This is another acronym that it wasn't very much visible for the past few years, but. As we are entering into a circular economy, whereby um, uh, we are not, we are no longer uh, supposed to be ejecting anything that we produce. So we need to bring it back into the main flow of uh, of the economy. 
uh, it has created certain needs for licenses so that we are more uh, uh, very more aware of how we produce and how we uh, recycle. Uh, so it has this environmental awareness, uh, which comes as a little bit of a contribution and it needs some admin processing from the seller side for which we are assisting. Um, but it's, uh, so Avasco is able to assist through uh, hands-on advisory, but also through uh, software support, which is its in-house build as we're entering uh, in, in September, our beta testing for our SaaS platform, uh, which is something that is going to be very exciting for every seller. And all the, all the hard work for the past, I would say three years, is going to be portrayed uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way whereby things will be much more um, seamless and uh, through a dashboard. Uh, I, think, I think everybody everybody prefers to, to see a dashboard with uh, all the things that you want to utilize rather than those uh, you know, dreadful emails that we receive every single day. <laughs> Very well said. So, so it may even be, uh, Avask may even be able to be described soon as a technology company uh, once you get, get that, that software that is, in place. Exactly, yeah. That, this is where we're aiming at. And uh, automation for us is, is, uh, is a big objective uh, for this year and for, next, for the next two years at least. Yeah. I, I, I asked these questions, and I think my listeners know me at this point, but I ask these questions not to... Uh, try to plug a ask or anything like that, but just because the topic we're getting into and, and my goal with every show like this one is to uh, share a solution so listeners can actually solve for something. Okay, someone listening to this, most people are probably intimidated of what we're about to talk about. At the end of this, you're less intimidated and you know who to contact or what those next steps uh, can be for you to be able to scale your business and focus more on selling. So I really appreciate the sharing that I have no doubt the software is going to be amazing. Um, let's, let's, let's go right for the juggler on this. So there's been some major new VAT rules um, in Europe and I, I want to address these acronyms first. So when we, I'm sure they're going to be weaved all together through, through what we're going to talk about. So what, in your own words, what would VAT OSS and IOSS mean? And why is it successful to sell in the EU? Yeah, in terms of, well, that stands for value-added tax, uh, which is something that it must be paid for any sale that happens, whether it's in the UK or in the EU. Uh, each country has different rates, uh, but it's something that is applied to any sale that happens in these countries. OSS stands for one-stop shop. Um, it's actually quite a good name, I think, because it does solve many issues in terms of distance selling between country to country, direct to a customer. And IOSS is just import one-stop shop because the goods, when they're sold, are located outside of the EU. That is legitimately the, 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 the background of it. Can you, can you give me an example of when that first kicks in and let's begin with us-based seller deciding they want to sell in the eu um and from my ignorant opinion even though i sell internationally i might be exposing myself here but like 
uh, I send something over there and I'm immediately hit with some form of VAT or import duties is what I call them. Am I correct? Or can you give a better example? Yeah, absolutely correct. So when the goods hit a customs border, uh, let's say, for example, in the UK, in your case, Carlos, uh, you will be charged two to three things at the border. One is import VAT and the other are customs duties. OK, custom duties are rated to the what product, what type of product you bring in. Each country has their own you know, percentage rate. It really does depend on the type of product that you're bringing in. And it is completely random, it is completely adapted to the product that you're bringing in. Import VAT normally tends to be the same as the VAT rate of the country. So for example, when you're importing to the UK, you have an import VAT rate of 20%. This is not to be confused with sales VAT because sales VAT is at the sale. Import VAT is charged to you, the seller that brings in the goods into the UK. Luckily, what happens is if you are VAT registered in a country, whether it is or whatever country you're importing to, for example, in this case, the UK, if you're VAT registered, you can fully reclaim that import VAT cost, which is a good opportunity. Obviously, it's a cash flow exercise, but it is obviously useful to be VAT registered to be able to reclaim that. It is not to be confused with sales VAT, which is charged at the end when you basically put the product on whatever marketplace or website that you have. So it is a little bit different to the US where, you know, sales tax is added at checkout. In the UK or in the EU, the, uh, the VAT is included in the price. So it's something that sellers have to be mindful of. So, so let me, let me, I like how you, you drew the example with the US. So I don't know this. So you're going to have to be the, the expert here and correct me. When I'm importing stuff into the United States, I pay, I pay what we just call a customs and duty fee and tariffs. Yeah. Like we just bunch those terms together. Would yeah. that be similar to import that? Yeah. So, so you, it's, it's the same thing pretty much. Import that and customs duties are two things that you pay when you import into the UK, for this example. As I said, customs duties, they're there. They have to be paid when you clear the goods in the UK. Import VAT, you get charged, but you can reclaim if you are VAT registered in the country. There's also, you know, opportunity calls like the postponed VAT accounting that we can go into a little bit later, which I know Dr. Angelo is an absolute expert on. And it's another acronym. <laughs> I, I see. I, I'm jotting stuff down here as we go. So, so the sales VAT is yeah. similar to the sales tax, just another name for it that we call that in the yes. U.S. All right. Now, neither one of them is also IOSS, correct? There, that's, that's an additional acronym and something you should be aware of when you're importing something into a country. Yes? Correct. So that is mainly for EU countries. So for example, I'm going to use the US seller as, as an example and uh, a US seller that's storing goods in the US, for example. Okay. Uh, and they have an order from a customer based in any of the 27 EU countries. Uh, that IOSS number basically covers the VAT or the sales VAT due on that sale. Okay, so let's say a German customer is ordering a product from the US from a, a seller. Uh, as soon as the product is under the price of uh, the consignment value is under 150 euros, 
you can send the goods from the good from the US straight to the customer in Germany. IOSS covers the VAT due on the sale in Germany. And it's the same for any customer that orders the product for any country in the EU. Okay, that's that, that's perfect. I, I, I've never heard it described so good. So like, I feel like I even have a better grasp on it. So now, where does OSS come into this? Right. So maybe I can, I'll take this one. So because at this uh, point, I feel like I've been charged from every direction. So like, <laughs> go easy on me. I, th I think uh, um, I would say it, um, we could say that one stop shop is when you are to be operating within the EU now. So you are basically you're uh, selling on Amazon in Germany in France, and you have decided to have your stock within the Amazon FBA in, uh, in Germany, uh, and then in France. Uh, the, and this would cover all these distant sales. The good news for anybody who is outside Europe, which is for a US seller, is that uh, Amazon, as the facilitating um, online marketplace, as the OMP, as we call it, uh, they will be taking care of all these kind of distant sales because they operate as a deemed supplier. So it is almost the same case like as Nexus in the US, whereby Amazon is the responsible for collecting and remitting the, the sales tax to the respective tax authorities, uh, the respective states. Uh, so this is the same situation for the EU. That's what the one-stop shop is bringing this simplification as uh, it was supposed to be as of July uh, last year. So it's, uh, it's basically to address anything that has to do with, um, with uh, the distances, but it is another addition, it's an additional benefit for anybody who is outside Europe, because effectively you don't have a business like an incorporated entity in any of the 27, Germany, France, Spain, Italy, etc. Uh, in that case, you would be responsible for all these distances because you will be inside the EU. So you will be collecting and remitting. But since you are outside of the EU, the facilitating online marketplace, which is Amazon and eBay, uh, these are the main two. They will be responsible for collecting and remitting. Just one caveat here, uh, which is very important. So somebody would say, uh, okay, so now since Amazon is, is going to be collecting and remitting, I don't need to do anything for VAT. I've, there's no obligation for me anymore. Uh, so this is very important because uh, with, uh, with wherever you actually store products physically within the FBA, for example, in Germany, you are still required to display a, v a valid VAT number. Uh, in any of the countries where you're utilizing, let's say, the Amazon FBA. Amazon in Europe it's, is uh, in Germany, France, Spain, Italy, uh, Poland and Czech Republic, uh, and also recently the Netherlands and soon to be another country. So if you wanted to, stay, say, start with Germany, you will need to have a German VAT number, and then Amazon will be collecting and remitting, but you still need to follow the local uh, filing rules uh, for the, from the country. And this is where, uh, you know, a tax advisor, it would be best if they will be assisting you. 
Um, and it's a good exercise also to make sure that uh, whatever is filed through Amazon and the filings that are uh, facilitated, there's also an audit um, aspect in place as this is a requirement you know, to be um, on hand. But more or less, this is so IOSS or import one-stop shop is for anybody who is shipping it from outside Europe into a European customer, whereas one-stop shop is when you are inside Europe and this is to cover the distance sales. One, one last thing, because you may be, this is also equally important. So one-stop shop is also very important uh, uh, and it's going to be into effect for any US seller uh, who, for example, wants to have a third-party logistics outside Amazon to process additional like sales to other marketplaces. In this case, because you become effectively the deemed supplier of your products, it means that you need to take you take the responsibility for those distant sales, and you will need to uh, separate these sales to fall under one-stop shop. So, 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 correct me if I'm wrong here. A lot of this seems. A lot of the differentiation seems to be where your inventory is Correct. housed, is warehoused. Correct. Yeah. Outside of the country or in, inside the country. Yeah. yeah. Is that similar? One, sorry, it's the number one rule I tell, tell to all my clients. If you are storing goods in any country in the EU, in the UK, you have to be VAT registered. Number one in, rule that I told everyone. In that respective country? At a in minute. that respective country. Is this similar to, I'm sure you guys have heard of this, the, there was that whole Wayfair thing and, and sales tax in the US and Nexus. Uh, you're familiar mm -hmm. with Nexus? So is, is that the correct terminology here? Like if, you're, if your goods are warehoused in a respective EU country, then you sort of have Nexus there? Or is that not how it's described? I, I would say it's... Uh, Piero's giving it, me the nod. No, like it doesn't, doesn't well, drive. I mean, I mean, yes, it is. It's it's tough to compare compare the two. It's you know, VAT is a tax liability in many ways, but it's something that you must have if you're storing goods. So if you're using any of the FBA centers that Amazon have in the EU, in the the six countries, the main six countries, then yeah, you have to be VAT registered. And just like uh, Angelo said about. Uh, you know, having, you know, a 3PL solution, another warehousing solution in the EU, wherever that may be, you know, depending on, on cost as well, wherever that may be, you must be VAT registered in that country as well if you're storing goods. So in terms of Nexus, yeah, it's it's more or less the same, but you can't really compare the two because, you know, you, you will have a study in the US whilst you don't really have. In, in the EU, it's a number one rule. Like you have to have that VAT if you're storing goods. Did, did I understand right that it's perhaps more complicated when it comes to what you need in the filings if you're using a 3PL versus if you're using Amazon FBA or is it one and the same? I, I, I would say, I would say, uh, for um, th there will be three key factors to consider as to how you can determine as to whether you need to be under the one-stop shop or not. So I think the first one is wherever you are located as a as a business. Am I an EU-based business or am I a non-EU-based business? 
automatically when you are known in your business, that requirement is shifted towards the, the marketplace. Um, the second element is wherever I hold my inventory. So if it's the inventory is based in the EU, then I need to have um, uh, a VAT number. Uh, and then the third one is if I'm if I'm storing and selling goods through a non-OMP, a non-marketplace facilitating um, facility, uh, which could be through a 3PL or through uh, other you know operations uh, to add to non-facilitating uh, marketplaces like um, maybe a seller you know via Shopify and I have a warehouse through a local third-party logistics agent. So in this case, I'm a deemed supplier, so I take responsibility and ownership of my goods. So in that case, I will need the VAT number, and I need to declare my one-stop shop sales only through that warehouse, though, because for, through Amazon, I have Amazon, who is my deemed supplier. So it's outside my scope. And Let me... Go ahead. And the and the and the third one is you know if I'm a U.S. seller who is out based outside Europe, and I'm just shipping directly to a customer in Europe, in this case you just need the the import one-stop shop, as long as uh, and it's 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 a means to be uh, issuing a number uh, along with your shipment of the product. So it's like, I would say it's more like uh, a, an option to test the waters. But it's always better if you are inside the country because in Europe, I must say, we're a little bit impatient as uh, as people. Yeah, we like idea. our prime, you know, we like yeah. things fast. Uh, it, it does make sense to be in the country. Let's put it this way. It's also me... competition, I'd say, in terms for sellers. You know, there's so many products out there. Unless you have something incredibly niche, I would say in terms of competition, you want to be able to sell the good the next day, send it the next day or the same day, even like it happens in the UK. You know, it's something that you you, you want to be doing uh, instead, simply because, yeah, as Angela said, we are quite impatient around here. And, and it sounds like this is this is definitely things that sellers cannot afford to ignore. Uh, based on what you shared with me so far, I'm going to just try to create an example, like a little scenario, like I throw a monkey wrench in everything and, and yeah. sort of prove that I'm understanding. And maybe some of the listeners who yeah. sell in the Amazon wholesale model um, can understand it. What happens if you're a US based seller or outside of the EU and you, you sell wholesale, meaning you have suppliers that are inside of, of Europe and when you want to utilize FBA, you maybe only order a pallet from within the same country in Europe to the FBA center in Europe. Um, what what do you need there? Yeah, it's all dependent on when the propri the proprietorship of the goods change. So if let's say you you have an EU supplier, which is some highly recommended if you want to sell in the EU, you know, um, let's say uh, you want, yeah, you're moving, you're buying the products and you're moving it straight to the FBA center in whatever FBA center in the EU, then you have to be registered for VAT in the FBA center where, where, where the FBA center is. Let's say, for example, you're ordering uh, some, uh, some products from a, a Poland-based supplier, and your targets that you're targeting is Germany, 
you buy the products from the supplier and you have them sent to Germany. Because they've been storing the FBA center, you'll have to be registered for VAT in Germany. In Germany? Yeah. Is, is there a recommendation that people register sort of everywhere that Amazon has a, um, um, a footprint? Or can you do this sort of piecemeal? I, I would say um, initially it's it's important to understand where the the, the target audience is, yeah. uh, and it's along with any market research exercise that would have taken place. So I think uh, Amazon has the pan-European FBA program, which is like a, a a comprehensive and holistic approach whereby you're you're using Prime. Uh, you're storing goods anywhere that Amazon has warehouses in those six countries. Uh, and Amazon takes care of the of the logistics, of the forwarding, of stock management. You know, it is a fully outsourced uh, operation, uh, which again, from, a, from an accounting point of view, it could be a little bit costly in terms of like margins for the business. Uh, so... Obviously, the more you outsource, the more uh, careful you need to be with uh, your costings and uh, you need to know very well your, your, your income. But the Pan-European Pan program is something very much comprehensive. I would say uh, the, the biggest marketplace in Europe is obviously the UK, which is the largest. Uh, as we have the British pound, it's, uh, we, we buy the most. And uh, local customers, they they also they have high frequency of uh, buying products online. And then it's Germany and France, which are the the largest. After we so combine those two, they make up uh, for the whole UK market. Uh, with Germany and sorry, with Spain and Italy, those five countries they make up almost eighty five percent of the whole US market. So it is a really significant footprint uh, from a, from a, from a uh, you know from a market's point of view and um, it's something that it shouldn't be disregarded um, but yes it's i would say this is the most you can uh, you can uh, explore again you can even look into other options of multi warehousing options so instead of having everything under Amazon, some sellers, what they do, they prefer to have some stock within the FBA and have some, you know, 40% within the third-party logistics, whereby they explore the option of another marketplace. Like we have a lot of, uh, it, it's countries a little bit, um, a little bit proud of where, of what the local marketplace can offer. You know, the friends, they like seed discount. Seed discount is, 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 the, is the country's marketplace uh, with Carrefour as well and uh, some smaller ones like Asap uh, In uh, Germany, you have Zalando, you have Otto, which are very sector-specific. Uh, Netherlands and Belgium, for example, they have bold.com. Bold.com, it's it's bol.com. It's it's a marketplace only in Dutch, but it is um, the most uh, attractive marketplace way above Amazon in those two countries. And there is an FBA equivalent option 
Yeah. So, so by having products, um, not just in FBA, but or Amazon FBA, and, but also having them spread out through third-party logistics, you might Correct. be able to leverage these other marketplaces. Correct. Yes, and you can maximize your your potential to even uh, expand, you know, and uh, build rapport even for your own Amazon storefront whilst you're selling in those other marketplaces. It's like it's like playing roulette and like putting all the chips, you know, on the table, but just be a little bit careful. Yeah, <laughs> is, be more careful. Is there a way to sort of like reverse engine, like during the research phase before you go into another country to sort of see what your competitors are up to and like re- reverse engineer what they're doing? Uh, is that a, is that a popular method that you see? I think definitely need to do some like the market research part of it is essential. You have to understand the price competition side of things uh, at best. Uh, how how are you going to compete? You know, we we see so many PPC providers where it is, uh, you know, where your source is. How are you going to be able to do your margins? I think are, is really really important. So that market research is really dependent on culture as well. Sometimes, you know, sure. is your product suited to the population of that country? So. There are many things that, 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 as Angela said at the very start, there's so many things that, you know, sellers have to think about. So that market research, um, yeah, has to be to, to see what is the probably the best markets to, to target. And I'd say um, definitely, as, as you said, Germany, um, France are, are, are up there. And, you know, something that people, they, they really must do is look at that product cost analysis, uh, really understand what their product can achieve in these markets. Well, let me ask you, you guys have described these intimidating acronyms amazingly best I've ever heard. Um, having said that, I'm, I'm going to put this in, I have these like buckets in my business. I'm going to put this in one of my buckets, which is I need to hire for this. I'm not, I'm not going to attempt to master this and do it in house or anything like that. So I'm hoping that other listeners to the show are, are, are feeling the same way. Kind of like, when you have products and you do product photography, you don't go out there and master Photoshop. You just, you hire some experts. So you get a huge win. Now, what does the process look like? Um, the investment, everything that a seller should, should anticipate when, when working with Avask. Let's use, I'm in the US. I decided I've done my research. There's a huge demand for my products in Germany. Like what, what do I need to do? Like very clear first steps. Okay. Um, I would say that the, the, the very first thing that needs to be taken into account, as you said, it's, it's the, the, the product cost analysis. So we need to understand first uh, what is the, the, the target audience and the target market uh, along with the competition as well. Uh, so the, the obvious costs would be to be able to have your listings primarily localized so as even though in, in Europe and the UK, we, we do speak English and more so I would say in the UK, but our English, uh, well, in the UK, it's British English. In Europe, it's not the, the first language. So it is a second language, is the, is the business language, but always the, the customer would prefer to see their goods translated locally uh, and you can gain already momentum 
and an advantage compared to somebody who has translated via Google Translate. Uh, that, that's, the, that's the very first thing and cost that's going to be involved. Uh, it's, not that, it's not something that will take, you know, make you be out of pocket, uh, it's, uh, but it's something necessary that would definitely encourage everybody to do. Uh, the second aspect that we would definitely suggest, and it's very important to consider, is uh, the forex aspect, uh, because in Europe you will be selling on in British pounds, in euros, uh, in uh, Swedish coronas, on in Czech coronas, you know, in uh, in different currencies. So it is very much uh, costly. Uh, to be paid from these local currencies directly to your business bank account because first, uh, there's going to be a 4% charge from Amazon for any inter-currency exchange, uh, which 4% is your margin, basically. Um, And the second thing is that uh, at least by using a currency exchange company, you'll be able to save at least about 3% two and a half percent and you're able to transfer those funds to an equivalent currency so that you can transfer it back to your local business bank account in the U.S. with a very, very, very marginal fee that would be saving you quite enough. I believe Sellers Funding offers this service, yes? Seller Funding, yes. This this, um, is... there's a myriad of, of those uh, in, the, in the market. Seller funding, yes, they do assist. Uh, and I know that they also have uh, some uh, capital support as well uh, to that effect, which is really important as a startup uh, capital boost. Um, so yeah, I would say listings, the payments, of course, being able to understand if your products have the relevant certification, which is if you have electronics, like for example, the C marking that uh, everybody who uses like an iPhone, etc., you'll be able to to review uh, if uh, you you have the C mark if you're selling in Europe. Uh, it's something very very important to 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 make sure you um, you carry uh, from a compliance point of view. Um, and then it's anything that has to do with your compliance, like probably uh, apart from uh, from the, the the VAT and the compliance aspect, it's also having the trademarks in place as you want to secure your brand. So this may have a certain cost, uh, but it's basically securing your investment, which is even far more important, uh, especially if you look into expanding over the next two, three years, there's going to be a considerable investment that shouldn't be disregarded. Uh, and it's highly advisable that, you know, it is very much secured through these through these steps. Um, I would say that anything else apart from these aspects, it's the, the obvious costs like the PPC, the packaging, uh, the, the any kind of contents al- uh, alignment f- with Europe, I think that's something that we need to be localized. I agree 100% about the localization. What what about the, 
the from the from the bookkeeping accounting side of things from from certain filings that you may need to have before you can sell like pre vat like to be ready for vat and all this other stuff yes um so in terms of the the accounting aspects uh and the and the vat it's something that it shouldn't be um costing you anything more than i would say one percent of your investment and i would say uh with more automation all these kind of costs have gone uh, even lower than that i would say the the main part that may be a little bit costly but i would say it's very important to have in mind is to have a uh, uh, an advisor to assist you like somebody who can handhold you and respond to any questions, uh, make sure that any correspondence with the tax authorities are, are dealt with promptly, uh, any refund requests, or as Pierre was saying, you know, if you have such kind of project products, so project programs like um, the postponed VAT accounting or any other refund schemes, I think it's important to have somebody who is dealing with those day in, day out, um, and it expedites the process much, and, much easier. And is that something that that, that hand-holding um, and looking over your shoulder, is that something of ask uh, can can help sellers with? Yeah, definitely. I mean, having the point of contact is is the is the very very important. I think, uh, you know, especially when this you do run on those acronyms that you do not know, especially when it comes to taxation. Having someone someone to go to and say, "Oh, please, what does this mean? What do I need to do?" And that's what that's what we really do. That's what we 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 have done over the past few years. And having that point of contact is in, incredibly helpful. I'd say I'd say for the seller. I love it. Can, can you think of can you think of anything that I did not ask surrounding that you feel like sellers should really know um, yeah. as it pertains to VAT, OSS, and IOSS? Um, nothing much in that sense. I'd say one thing for US sellers is probably looking at shipping right now. One 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 of the things because you you know it's it's one of the biggest headaches I'd say over the past year with the pricing going up. You do really want to uh, look at options try and find the best possible contract that's suited for your product and the amount that you're sending. So uh, put yourself out there, try and make those calls and try and understand what the best possible solution is for your business. Uh, and then obviously in terms of customs brokerage in the EU, uh, you know, there's options out there as well on who can get uh, the, the the best possible deals as well. And as I said, yeah, Angels, we, we've spoken about the postponed VAT accounting. We're not going to, you know, tell you about it that that into it that's a bit too much into detail but it's something that's the next extremely, episode <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely it's extremely extremely helpful for um uh business that import goods into other countries so if, if a country has that option you know you should try it and, and and take it into advantage and yeah i think from oss um from what i see on a, on a regular basis it's a very very good opportunity for uh, brands that have really good brand awareness all over the world and are trying to expand from the US into the EU, for example. You know, OSS really helps in a way where all you really require, you know, the number one question that I get from US sellers is, oh, do I have to set up a company and you know, open up these huge financial liabilities in other countries where I'm not used to? And the answer is no. All you really re do require is to store goods in one EU country 
And with the OSS number, you can sell to customers in all the other 27. And it really is a fantastic option for, for, for these brands. So, yeah. I love it. I learned a lot. Um, I'm definitely going to be reaching out to you guys, especially that I'm, I'm launching my, my new brand. Uh, definitely. I, I want to be respectful of everybody's time. I, I was concerned that this was going to take hours trying to demystify. You guys are rock stars and you, and you did it in, in a much quicker amount of time. Still, I want to keep this, this episode digest, uh, digestible. Um, yeah. before, uh, before letting you guys know, letting you guys go back to your day, uh, two questions. One, best way for somebody to reach out to you or, or, or have asked with any questions they have or, or to get started. And uh, second question is, what are your favorite books and why? I'll go first on this one, if you don't mind. So uh, to reach me out, yeah, uh, uh, .com. Um we, we, we are fully available. We have an inquiries mailbox there. I am available on LinkedIn as well under Piero Pereira. I speak to clients and sellers, potential sellers on a daily basis through there. So readily available there. In terms of favorite books, it's a very good question. And I am... Uh, going to say one of the books is definitely the online hustle and one of the co-writers is Angelos and the other is our director Melanie and it is a fantastic book it's a good entry point for any e-commerce seller trying to understand what the the field of e-commerce actually requires and I think that's you know I'm, I'm, I'm I read it it's it's a very, very good insight on what is needed and what you need to think about. And the other look is uh, I'm, I'm a big Michael Connolly uh, fan, you know, the Bosch series, something that I've always loved. Uh, Watch a TV series is something I've, I've always been a fan of. But for any key commerce out, sell out there that's trying to look into some answers or what is needed, the online hustle is definitely up there. I love it. Thank you so much. I noticed I saw it on our, uh... Uh, Dr. Angelos is LinkedIn and, and yeah. added on my list to order. So I'm glad you brought it up. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, and it was actually uh, something that was came up uh, during the pandemic because we just thought as everybody is actually sitting at home and it's uh, it seems like the obvious route to be able to sell online, it would give at least uh, a step-by-step -step guide, even the basic guide to actually give you uh, to ignite this kind of entrepreneurial flame inside you and to say, you know what, it's not as difficult as you may think. Uh, as Keep in mind those, those elements and you'll be able to proceed. Um, in terms of contacting us, I think it's, yes, uh, Piero said, you know, it's uh, vastgroup.com. Uh, there's also like a WhatsApp uh, live chat and uh, emails, etc. So we we try to be as much as, as close as possible. In terms of um, in terms of uh, books, I would say um, as I'm very much into automation, I cannot say that I'm not a big fan of uh, Steve Krug. Like uh, don't make me think. Uh, I, I love how this mindset of actually uh, having uh, a two-click a two mindset is really key in today's age. So um, it is very, very important to, uh, to keep track of, um, to, to make sure, you know, that uh, everything that you want to 
to uh, put across. It's easy to be found and it's easily reachable. So uh, definitely Steve Krug and of course, you know, the classic, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I mean, everybody is Absolutely. very much aware, but it's, it's, it's classic, but yes, it's nothing to, not to be forgotten. I love it. Thank you guys a lot. I'm going to order. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if I read Don't Make Me Think, um, but if not, I'm, I'm definitely going to order it. Uh, and the online hustle obviously is, is on my list to get. So thank you so much for your time and, and for shedding light on, on how to make sense of these acronyms and how to approach uh, selling in Europe smartly. So thank you so much and have an awesome day. Thank you.